know that we're getting a new Bible worker, but look, we have a new senior pastor too. (laughs) Pastor Brian, actually Pastor Godfrey this morning is speaking at Modesto Central Church, and Pastor Brian, the senior pastor of Modesto Central SDA Church, is here to speak with us, to preach Jesus to us. This is just a really awesome opportunity where we can connect and to recognize that we're more than just a church. We are a movement. Amen? Mm. Amen. So we just want to extend a real heartfelt and warm Parkwood Church welcome to Pastor Brian and his wonderful wife, Rosie. Um, Pastor Brian, we're glad that you're here. Thank you, Sam. It's good to be here this morning. Uh, It's Real privilege to be able to stand in the place of where Pastor Godfrey usually stands. And what we're trying to do with a pulpit swap here is we're trying to encourage our churches to connect a little bit more. And we feel like we have things to offer that will be a blessing to you. And we know that you have things to offer that will be a blessing to us. And we're in a unique situation here in Modesto. We have a variety of churches so close to each other. And yet we often just stay to ourselves. And so we want to, as, as pastors, we want to work together and, and encourage you in, in, in your walk and uh, just, just offer what we have to give. So uh, thank you uh, for receiving me so warmly. I've enjoyed being here and enjoyed hearing the church service so far. And I pray that the message this morning will be a blessing to you. Well, the summer before my ninth grade year, I made a decision that might seem a little odd. Even though I hadn't been coaxed by my parents or bribed, I decided to take a summer school class. And stranger yet, even though throughout my junior high years, throughout elementary school, even though I I didn't like math at all, the class that I chose to take was pre-algebra. Believe it or not, this decision did not come because uh, all of my friends were taking pre-algebra or because there was a a beautiful girl that I wanted to go try to sit next to. I genuinely was taking the class to learn something. Fancy that. Made that decision that, that summer before my ninth grade year. Now, I knew this class wouldn't be easy. I knew that there would be homework. I knew that uh, my evenings would be tied up doing work for this class. And yet, I I chose in my own free will to take this pre-algebra class. So why would a 13-year-old boy choose to study a subject that he previously did not like? Why would he choose to spend precious summer hours in a classroom, voluntarily studying pre-algebra? Why would I choose to do something like that? Well, the answer is really simple. We had an exceptional algebra teacher. You know, if you've ever had a really good teacher, you know what I'm talking about. Someone who just inspires you, someone who can make a subject that you maybe previously would not be interested in seem like a wonderful thing on your own time, you're doing extra reading or extra studying in that area because something, there's something about a great teacher that can inspire us. You know, they, they inspire us to do things that we never thought possible and to enjoy them in the process. In our journey through life, we can never have enough good teachers. Would you agree? But more important than a good teacher in algebra or 
science or even English is having good teachers that are able to teach us how to follow Jesus. Now, you may not see yourself as a teacher, but the reality is we all teach. We all have influence. We all have an experience that we can give to others. And you may not even be on Twitter, but you all have followers. People watching us. What are you, what are you doing? They're looking at you, and you're imparting knowledge. We, we all teach. So this morning, even though you may never see yourself getting up in front of a class, maybe you do get up in front of a class. Maybe you see some teachers actually out there. So I, so I know that some of you do teach here. But what I'd like to look at is how Jesus can make each one of us great teachers for his kingdom. The title of the message this morning, if you read your bulletin, you already saw it, but I'd like to repeat it here. The title of the message this morning is The School of Christ. The School of Christ. And since we've already prayed, I want to invite you to just open your Bible with me to our scripture reading today. Matthew 28. We're going to look at verses 19 and 20. We're going to really spend our time trying to to bring and and, and understand the meaning, bring the meaning out of these verses. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. So if you didn't bring a Bible, I understand that you do have a pew Bible in front of you. Love for you to follow along with me as we look at it. Matthew chapter 28, 19, and 20. Now in Matthew 28, Jesus is giving his disciples a new command. So for over, well, for three and a half years, Jesus has been teaching his students teaching the disciples. And now he's come to the end of his life, and he's about to go to heaven, but he realizes that even though he is the master teacher and he's been teaching faithfully, there is still a huge need for good teachers. He knows that without good teachers, people will not know the truth. People will easily be deceived by lies, and they will be unequipped to think for themselves. So to meet this need, Jesus makes a special request of his disciples. It's Matthew 28, starting with verse 19 and verse 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." If you are a follower of Christ this morning, and I see that many of you are this morning, if you are a follower of Christ, then Jesus is asking you to make disciples. Go, make disciples is the clear command of Jesus. Now, being a disciple of Christ is so much more than merely saying that you are a Christian. And it's even much more than knowing about Jesus, knowing about the Bible, reading the Bible. It's more than that. To be a disciple of Christ is to experience him. It's to seek after him. In fact, the word disciple here actually means a person who is intentionally seeking after their master to be just like that person. It's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment thing, seeking to become just like their teacher, and not just stopping there, but bringing other people to that same experience as well. That's what he's talking about. When he says, go and make disciples, he's saying, be intentional about seeking after God and encourage other people to seek after Jesus, to follow him, to talk like him, to act like him, to think like Jesus. This is what he's calling for us to do. He's seeing that there's a need for great teachers. 
Now, when Jesus gave this command, the book of Acts tells us that at this time, there were less than 200 people who were ready to go and make disciples. It was a very small group of people, but the fate of the world really hinged upon their willingness to follow this command. We know that Jesus is the only way to salvation. He is our Savior. There is no other name given to men whereby which we must be saved. And so people, if they do not know Jesus, then how can they be saved? And so Jesus here is commissioning them. He's giving them this responsibility to go and tell other people about Jesus. Lead them to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Show them how to experience Jesus. This work of making disciples is the most important work ever entrusted to humanity. But look at what your Bible says in verse 16. Who is Jesus giving this most important work to? My Bible says, it calls this group the Eleven. If you remember, Jesus started off with twelve, right? And so for three and a half years, he's teaching his students, his twelve valedictorian, at least that was the intention, that each of them would be valedictorians in his school, teaching these twelve disciples. They had this hope that Jesus would establish an earthly kingdom, and they held on to that hope. But before they could understand that he came for a greater purpose, their hopes were dashed upon Calvary's hill. And the Bible tells us that after this incredible trial of faith, there were the eleven. Eleven survived. Eleven remained faithful. These are the faithful followers of Jesus. But even these faithful followers of Jesus, apart from him, they were not saints. Some of you are familiar with the lives of some of these guys. Peter denied him. Thomas doubted him. When Jesus was in his hour of trial, when he needed his friends to step up and pray for him, they fell asleep. These guys were prone to pride. They were trying to be the greatest, trying to be number one, even at the final hour of Jesus' ministry here on this earth. This is the group of people that Jesus is calling for this most important work to take the message of salvation to the world, to preach, to teach, to make disciples. He's looking to this group of people. Now this is really significant because if Jesus could take these guys and bring them to the place of graduation, so to speak, so that they can become teachers in his school, making disciples, making students, then what does that say to you and I? That gives me hope. If he can take these guys and make them great teachers in his school, then he can take anyone and make them a great teacher. You know, God is talking, he's calling for disciples, calling for disciple makers out of every aspect of humanity. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're educated or uneducated, simple or sophisticated, man or woman. You can be a great teacher, a great disciple in the school of Christ because of who Jesus is. We see it in the life of the disciples. As long as we are willing to stay enrolled in the school of Christ, as long as we are willing to continue seeking to be like him, to think like him, talk like him, act like him, as long as we're willing to continue following him, then the master teacher will transform your life and mine 
and empower you to make disciples. You know, the fact is that Jesus does not expel people from his school. Nowhere in the Bible will you find Jesus coming up to a struggling disciple and say, hey, you're just not cutting it. You're not getting it fast enough. You're out. Nowhere does he say, you know, you're being a little bit disruptive. You're out. Nowhere does it say, you know, you're just doing your own thing. You failed the test, and so you're out. Jesus does not expel people from his school. But the reality is, we can go away from his school. And it's not because he expels us, it's because we choose to drop out. Satan can do nothing to get us kicked out of the school of Christ, but he can tempt us to drop out. He can tempt us to think, no, if you really are fully into following Jesus in every way, then you are going to miss out. Maybe your family's going to be in jeopardy if you take a stand and say, I'm going to follow Jesus with everything that I have. He tempts us to not go all the way. He tempts us to drop out. But if we choose to keep looking to Jesus, there's no way he's going to kick us out. He doesn't do that. You may have made mistakes. You may not be as talented as other people. You may be weak in faith. But if you have chosen to follow Jesus, then you are a disciple. And in Matthew 28, 19, he gives each of his disciples this command, go and make disciples. In the school of Christ, every student becomes a teacher. When Jesus commands his followers to make disciples, this, this, the Greek word there actually conveys this idea of actively recruiting other people. Going out, looking for people to actively teach. Go, make disciples. It's kind, of, it's kind of like what happens at Central Valley Christian Academy. See, some of you that, that go there right now, um, see some of you who have been to Central Valley Christian Academy, you know how it works out there. You see, when a child goes to our school, and Central Valley Christian Academy is our school, when a child goes there, there is an intentional plan to teach that child. We're intentional about having good teachers at Central Valley Christian Academy. We're intentional about having those teachers, encouraging those teachers to pray with students and to pray for students, to provide service opportunities for kids to learn how to, how to share God's love in a tangible way with other people. We're intentional about this. But just imagine with me for a moment if we were not intentional. What if we were to say, okay, as a student at Central Valley Christian Academy, all you need to do is show up. And we're going to assume that if you are on the campus of our school, then real quality learning is taking place. Matter of fact, you don't even have to go every day of the week. As long as you go one day of the week, that's good enough. Just go in and check in. Let them know that you're there. We're all good. And in fact, you don't even have to go all day. Just go for a couple of hours. What thinking parent would pay good money for their child to go to a school like that? Would you? And yet... It's not much different than how we do things at church. One day out of the week, a couple hours, you can be considered a member in good standing, and you don't have to read your Bible. You don't even have to come to Sabbath school. 
As long as you check in at church and you're filling your spot in the pew, we look to you as a member in good standing. Now, that's good. You, please, continue to come to church. Pastor Godfrey wants you here. I want you here. It's a good thing. Please continue to do that. But the thing is, is that even though our culture is accepting of this way of being a disciple, Jesus shows us a much better way. That's all I'm trying to say, is that there's a better way that's out there. Jesus was intentional about making disciples. He didn't just sit around in the synagogue and wait for someone to approach him. No, the Bible says that Jesus went out and he actively sought disciples. He was out by the lake. He's calling Peter, James, and John from their work. He was there. He goes to where Matthew is at, collecting taxes, and calls him. Jesus is actively seeking disciples throughout his ministry. As he begins his ministry, Jesus was actively seeking disciples. He's calling them, follow me. And he didn't just stop right there. Once they accepted that call, what is Jesus doing? He's intentional about teaching them. Who's doing all the baptizing? It's the disciples. Who's helping the 5,000 get food after Jesus blesses it. He's recruiting the disciples to be involved, to be with him, to work with him in this ministry of telling the world about who God really is. Jesus looked to the disciples to help him in healing the sick, in preaching the gospel, in healing people who were demon-possessed. Jesus is actively involving them. He's immersing them in his life. When I was in high school, I took two years of Spanish class. Anybody take Spanish? Okay, we have some Spanish speakers here. I took two years of Spanish, and after two years of studying Spanish in high school, I couldn't really speak Spanish. I could say hola, I could say donde está el baño, but I couldn't really speak Spanish. But something happened uh, my third, after my third year in college, I spent just eight months in Latin America, in Ecuador, and something amazing happened. I learned to speak Spanish in just eight months. Two years I'd been studying Spanish in school, and I couldn't really speak it, and now eight months, and I'm able to, to converse. What's the difference? The difference was immersion. I was immersed in the Latin American culture. I spoke with them. I listened to them talk. I ate their food. I was a part of the culture. I was there. I lived with them. And so I learned. Jesus knows that the best way for us to learn is through immersion. It's through immersion. And that's why he says, go and make disciples. And the very next thing he tells us is to do what? Immerse them. When we are baptized, this is not one single solitary event that is disconnected to the rest of our life. This is the beginning of an experience of immersion into the life of Christ. This is how we make disciples. It's not going to happen on a weekend. It's not going to happen on a, in, in a day or in a moment. Here, child, read this book and you'll be a disciple. It doesn't work that way. It happens through immersion. And so Jesus says, come and hang out with me. Come and live with me. Come and watch me. Come and, come and help me. I'll show you how to do it. I'll get you involved. 
Because Jesus had done this faithfully, he was able to say to these men, you've experienced it, you've heard it, you've helped me, you've gone out and preached the gospel, now go and make disciples. If we are going to be disciples, then we must be immersed in the life of Jesus with him, spending time with him, listening to him, talking to him, working with him. Jesus tells us to go and baptize disciples. According to Jesus, you cannot be in his school without first being immersed, without first being baptized. Because baptism symbolizes a total immersion into God's teaching. So if you have never taken this step this morning, then I want to encourage you to make that decision. Please don't leave today without talking to me or talk to Pastor Sam or one of the elders. Baptism is the greatest thing ever because in baptism, we unite ourselves with the master teacher. And when you are united to a master teacher, you cannot help but experience success. Let me tell you about a study that took place. It was conducted by a team from Harvard University. They looked at, it's a huge study, they looked at 2.5 million students and, and they tracked them over a period of 20 years. So this is really good data. A huge group tracked over a long period of time. 2.5 million students tracked over a 20-year period. Um, the researchers discovered, well, let, let me back up. What they looked at was the influence of teachers on the lives of students. What impact, what long-term impact does a teacher have in the life of a student? And they discovered that students with good teachers didn't just do better academically, but they did better in life. Surprise, surprise, did it need 20 years to figure that out? But something that they came up with that was really interesting was they, 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 the research proved that students who had good teachers were less likely to become teenage mothers, they were more likely to enroll in college, and they were also more likely to do better financially in their life. Just to give you an example of that, Somehow they figured this out, but they, they put in these different figures and they discovered that classrooms where a poor teacher was replaced by an average teacher, going from poor to average, when that transition took place, then the lifetime earnings of the students in that classroom could go up by $266,000. Simply that one element changing could affect the entire student's financially in that classroom, going from a poor teacher to an average teacher. What does this say? One good teacher can influence the entire life of a person. And so when we are baptized, we are not just united with a good teacher, we're united with the greatest teacher this world has ever seen. He says, baptize them, immerse them into the life of Jesus, the greatest teacher. Jesus calls upon us to be teachers like this. Notice what he says in verse 20. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 says what? Teach them. Teaching them. He says go and teach them. If you accepted Jesus, if you have accepted Jesus, rather, you are not just a student. You are also, you're a teacher. 
But notice that Jesus is saying much more than just go and teach them. Teach them all I've commanded you. Is that what he says? I left something out. He doesn't just say, go and know a bunch of information. Go and pass your Bible class. Go and graduate from seminary. Those are good things. But it's more than that. He doesn't just say, go and teach them all things that I have commanded you. He says, teach them to observe. Teach them to obey. Teach them to experience all things that I have commanded you. It's more than just knowing. The Bible is saying, don't just inform them about who Jesus is. Teach them to experience Jesus. When I was in college, I attended a worship service. It was a Vespers program, Friday Night Vespers. And in this service, there was about four or five faculty members that were asked to share a brief synopsis of how they came to know Jesus. And among these speakers were Bible teachers and, and teachers of other, other uh, subjects. They were Almost all of them were really experienced public speakers, but there was one lady that was in there that never, w- was, never would get up front to talk. And as they shared their experiences, all of them were a blessing, but the one that stood out to me the most was this lady. She was shy. She was a, she was a secretary in the ad building. You'd never see her getting up front in front of church, but she chose to get up front, and she just simply shared what Jesus had done for her. How Jesus had answered prayers in her life. How Jesus had been there for her. How Jesus had given her peace and forgiveness. And that stuck with me. It really hit home. It was such a blessing to listen to this lady share her experience. But probably the greatest blessing that I received from this lady, the the thing that, that taught about Jesus most profoundly in her life was simply being with her. She was such a nice caring, loving, wonderful person. She's the kind of person, I don't know if you know somebody like this, where you just want to be around them. They're so nice and it's so comfortable and and, and welcoming to be around them. And you just want to be around them because you're hoping that a little something of that is going to rub off on you. That was the kind of person she was. And so she taught us. Here was this woman, no education in, in theology, no pastor's experience. And here she was teaching us about who Jesus really is. And you may not think of yourself as a good teacher, but what makes people great teachers is not their ability, it's not what we have to offer, it's an experience with Jesus. So if you have an experience with Jesus, you are, in fact, a great teacher. Not because you're great, but because he's great. He's the great teacher, and he will teach through you. He will communicate through you to lead other people, not just to a knowledge, but more importantly, to an experience of who he is. You may not see yourself as a great teacher, but look what he says in Matthew 28, verse 20. He says, behold, look at this, notice this, don't miss it. I am with you always, and if he is with us always, then we are qualified to teach others, to tell others to be what it is to be a disciple, to show others what it means to follow Jesus. More than ever, we need disciples who will intentionally pass on what Jesus has given to them, just like this lady was passing on to us. Because there's an alarming statistic in the Seventh-day Adventist church today. Here's the statistic. 
our young people that go through Sabbath school, that go through Central Valley Christian Academy, when they get to the age of about 20 years old, 50% of them do not come back to church. You wonder whether that's true or not? Look around. Where are they? Where are our 20-year-olds, Pastor Sam? Where are our 30-year-olds? 50% of our young people, statistically, will stop going to church by the time they reach 20 years old. I want to see that changed. How about you? I want to see young people being discipled. I want to see them excited. And I am here to tell you that if we would follow Jesus' approach of immersing people into this experience of Jesus, that they would experience the power of Christ in their life to overcome sin, to do what is right, to love other people, to forgive, to let go of bitterness, to share the love of Jesus with other people, if we were to show young people how to do that, not only would they be in our church, but they would be inviting other people to our church. Their friends would be here too. The reality is though, this form of discipling other people, the way Jesus does it, is not easy. We don't naturally follow after Jesus. Our human nature goes against it. We want to program. We want to give a donation to something. We want to give somebody just, hey, here's a book. Go to this weekend seminar. We discipled them. We're done. The discipleship process that Jesus gives us is messy. It takes time. It takes effort. And so it's only natural that we would not just, that we, that we wouldn't just naturally gravitate to it. The process is not easy, but if you are a follower of Jesus, he will give you strength. You will have all of the power, all of the skill, all of the resources necessary to accomplish what he commands for you to do today, and that is to go and make disciples, to baptize, and to teach them. So right now, as we close, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to simply agree with Jesus' teaching here. Simply agree with his command to go and make disciples. And this is what it means. To prayerfully seek out an individual that you can pass on your experience with Jesus to. And I've been praying for this message. I've been praying for you. And I've, my expectation right now is that the Holy Spirit is going to start to impress you. Maybe he's impressed you already, but he's going to start to put upon your heart, upon your mind, some names. Name of an individual. Maybe it's a, a relative. Maybe it's a child. Parents, that's your first responsibility, is to disciple your kids. CVCA is there to help you. Your pastoral staff is there to help you. But you are the primary person to disciple your kids. Don't miss out on that privilege and farm it out to someone else. It's not working. It's not working. As God impresses you, I want to encourage you to accept that challenge, to disciple some other person, to look for someone that you could pass your experience on to. And with that in mind, Pastor Godfrey, he asked me if I would just share a little bit about a program that has helped us over at Modesto Central. And this program is designed to help mold people into what it means to be a disciple, this immersion process. And as I mentioned, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen on a weekend. And so this program that has helped us a whole lot, it's just one way, but it's helped us a whole lot with this. It's called Kids and Discipleship.
Maybe some of you have heard about that. It's actually a 36-week program. You heard me right. A 36-week program that's intended to equip families to have family worship so that everyone is engaged. You know, when I was a little kid and, we were, and I was growing up, my family, godly parents, I'm really thankful for them, but the way family worship would go is something like this. Dad opens the book and begins reading. After half an hour, he says prayer. That's family worship. Do you think I like that? As a little boy with tons of energy, thinking about all this stuff and wanting to do all these things, it was terrible. They had good intentions. It was a wonderful thing. And I'm so glad. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm so glad that my family had worship. But kids need to be engaged in family worship. It needs to be brief. And parents need to be equipped to know how to do this. That's just one part of it. But family worship is a big part of discipling your kids. Kids in discipleship equips you to have these times of family worship, these times of ministry. So we just finished 36 weeks, praise God, this summer, and we're seeing some pretty amazing things. In this 36 weeks, we saw kids engaged in family worship. That means they were looking forward to it. When can we go? When can we do this? We saw families encouraging other families, partnering up, holding each other accountable in their family worship time. We saw kids and adults spending time alone with God on their own daily, opening their Bible. We have one fifth grader. She likes to open her Bible in the morning and read it and pray for about 20 minutes. That is her habit. That's not a good day. That's her habit. And I praise God that he uses programs like Kids in Discipleship. If that works for you, if that's something that you're interested in, then pester Pastor Godfrey and ask him about it. But maybe there's another program. Maybe God's leading you in some other way. I don't know. But my point to you is this. Jesus gives us the command, go and make disciples. Young people, Jesus is calling you to make disciples. Parents, he wants for you to begin with your kids. And there are many people in here today that are past the age of parenting, and you have a wealth of experience, a wealth of knowledge. You have had, you've seen some amazing things that God has done in your life. If you do not pass that on to the next generation, then we will miss out. Please. I, I encourage you to agree with Jesus' command to go and to make disciples. So be courageous because the master teacher is the one who commands you and he has promised to be with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for this precious experience of salvation that becomes so much more real and so much more precious as we pass it on to other people. I want to pray for my church family here and for our church family worldwide that we would simply take you at your word and go and make disciples, that we would baptize, that we would immerse them into the life of Jesus, that we would teach them to have an experience with who you are. Lord, we cannot do this if we are not first your disciples. So I pray that you would place within us a humble heart, a teachable heart, to do and to follow as you lead. We thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen.